Yeah. Umlaut. Ein Umlaut. Was that an O with an umlaut? U. Oh, you, yeah. Un, yeah. Um. The difference between U uh, and U. Um, M at yeah. the end, not an N. Um. Oh, M, um. so U, um, yeah. Um. Great. Um. This is some great podcasting we had going on here, too. <laughs> it's just us making notes. Boom, boom. What, Nina? You always get so awkward. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina Mack. Discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina? What, Doc? Well, we are back from our Christmas break, and we had a pretty productive one. What all went on on Christmas break? I did so much writing. I'm so sorry I haven't been on Valheim for a while. <laughs> I know, I keep promising to play. I keep promising to play, and then I'm like, I don't show up. I'm so flaky. But I've been doing so much productive writing. I apologize. You're forgiven Thank this you. time. This time? Okay. Is that a threat? <laughs> but next time, there will be consequences. Okay. We will we'll play tonight. I promise. We'll play tonight. And that is that is a promise promise. That is not a uh, a flaky promise. Then you will play without me because I have a different oh. online RPG tonight. Oh, okay. okay. Well, fine. I'll play with Mrs. Awesome. <laughs> you can, and she would be delighted to have you. I'm glad. She'd be delighted. We've done a lot. Since you played last. Yes. Yeah. What have you been doing? Well, as you know, Engineer Mike set up a Discord community. One of the Mm -hmm. minions of Doom out there, he has been asking for Discord community. And then I guess someone else asked. And so we set one up and we just sort of at first invited a few people in. And it's already been an active community. And I'm currently drinking from... A new coffee mug I got from L. White, one of our Discord community members, and it says whatever. This is really cool. I think this is awesome. Like this is awesome. Yes. I'm sorry. I was trying to make a joke there, and it just can't. It just fell off. <laughs> sorry. I'm already getting free swag out of the Discord community, so it's all good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and we'll have information about how you can join our Discord and talk with us and snark with us at the end of this podcast. Also, we've been growing our user base. I guess it's really hard to determine podcast growth because one, you're spread out among so many different platforms. Like there's Spotify and there's Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for some God known reason. I don't know. (laughs) But then there's Amazon Podcasts and we have a single user on Amazon Podcasts and I know who this is because they revealed themselves. Well, not only did he reveal himself, we weren't on Amazon Podcast and he specifically requested it, as I recall. And that's the reason we went on there and he remains the sole user. I believe this to be true. Even though the numbers, like when Engineer Mike gave us the numbers, I have to confess they're about 10 times the numbers of what I was assuming. So we have a lot more listeners than I thought, but not on Amazon Podcast. So, Nina, do you want to give the shout out to our, our one Amazon I, podcast listener? I will shout out to Engineer Mike's cousin, Marcus. So thank you very much, Marcus, for listening to us on Amazon Podcast. <laughs> Today's is episode is brought to you that? by Amazon Podcast. God forbid. <laughs> Used by dozens in, across the globe. <laughs> At least one person. Yes, one, one person. <laughs> we're not making fun of you, Marcus, I promise. <laughs> no, we're making fun of Amazon Podcasts. Yeah. But if you want to join and listen to Amazon Podcasts, we welcome you 
to the pop medieval community yeah. and also you can join us on the discord and all those fun yep. things as well come on in we'll, we're making fun of penis trees and all that <laughs> garbage too so we can't go one episode without a reference to the penis tree we cannot no it'll never die <laughs> so speaking of penis trees we're coming up on valentine's day nina and mm. I don't know if you know this, but essentially Valentine's Day was invented, at least as a romantic holiday, by Geoffrey Chaucer. I did not know this until you told me. So obviously he didn't invent St. Valentine, that person. Right, and yeah. Actually there are multiple ones, but the one that we're thinking of, he didn't invent that person. And that person already had a feast day that he also didn't invent. But the idea that we somehow associate it with romantic love, that was something that Geoffrey Chaucer essentially invented in one of his lesser known poems. If you know his poems outside Canterbury Tales, it's probably one of the handful that you know. You know, most people just know the Canterbury Tales and then they're surprised to find out he wrote anything else. And that is something called the Parliament of Fowls. Fowls. Fowls, Fowls in this case meaning birds. The Parliament oh, of Fowls. Oh, okay. So this is not something I'm familiar with at all. It's a longish poem. I mean, it's nowhere near as long as the Canterbury Tales. I would say if you're trying to, to get a benchmark in your mind, it's like the length of one tale in the Canterbury Tales. It's kind of maybe the, the prologue and tale combined of, of a tale. So it, okay. it's not a super long poem. It's not an epic poem. It's a pretty short poem. And it really develops this idea. So Chaucer's writing this. He's, he's older. There's some quotes. Actually, you'll often see Chaucer quoted from this poem, especially about like how long it takes to learn things on things that have nothing to do with this. And he, he says on it that this is a, a Valentine's Day poem. This is an occasional poem, as we might say. Um, I've heard some critics mm -hmm. say this is the greatest of the occasional poems here's the plot of it so there's a dreamer there's a dreamer and we can come back to that if you want to talk about dream visions later on there's a dreamer and he, he falls asleep and in this he has a dream and in the dream it's on valentine's day and he goes into this garden this garden of love and there's all these gods hanging out there a lot of naked gods there's a lot of nudity uh in this <laughs> in the garden of love and he comes upon nature the goddess nature and she is having a kind of a parliament of the birds. And there's mm -hmm. one female eagle and she has three suitors and she's trying to decide which one she wants and all the different birds debate this. Now, Chaucer doesn't invent the idea of birds selecting their mates on Valentine's Day, but the idea that this becomes all about love and romantic love, including romantic loves for humans, that's something that Chaucer invents in this poem i see i'm guessing her suitors they're avian yes they're all eagles and then there are a bunch of other birds and so the the kind of the birds of prey give a, a chivalric romantic you know in the medieval romance sense idea of love you should love someone because of this reason the waterfowl are more like the peasantry especially like the ducks uh who will say things like it's one thing to think about these sort of high-minded yeah. things of love but you know if you can't be with the one you love love the one you're with uh kind of idea wow <laughs> And then there's the cuckoo, which is constantly saying things that the other birds hate about, yeah, what difference does it make? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> saying the quiet part out loud, the cuckoo birds. Yes, that's exactly right. I see. So let's go back to dream visions. I'm, I'm guessing these are like premonitions or these are like waking fantasies. So I think it's wrong to think of them as real dreams. This is, so before you get the genres of fantasy and science fiction, it was often, you know, sometimes you want to create a world where the rules don't operate the way that the rules operate in our world. Uh, and you want mm -hmm. to investigate something that way, like have the birds all talk, for example, uh, mm -hmm. or have love be depicted as an actual garden. 
And so in the Middle Ages, it was very common to have this thing called the dream vision, where the narrator claims to have fallen asleep and had a dream, and the dream, this thing happens. Ah, uh, magical realism, like. Yes. Like, we would call this magical realism. Yes, very much like that. And so probably the one that most people, if they studied it in school, would be familiar with would be the dream of the rude, in which... Uh, you know, a dreamer falls asleep and then the cross of Christ speaks to him. And the idea is the author wants to make the cross of Christ speak, but science fiction, as we think about it, hasn't been invented yet. Fantasy hasn't been invented yet. So he just says like, well, I, I fell asleep and I dreamt this. And the reader, I don't think is supposed to believe that the person literally had a dream, uh, but rather that this is the mechanism by which you can tell this kind of story. So the whole premise of this reminds me of the reality show Dating <laughs> shows that we have now yes. like so like at the end of the like the bachelorette or love island or whatever like i i don't watch them but i have an, enough oh, of a familiarity yeah you've, you've heard about them right no well i mean <laughs> seriously through osmosis i may have watched a few a long time ago but i mean there's so many of them and the format is so familiar <laughs> yes. i mean you, you have a person who has to choose amongst a, a group of bodies. Yes. A group of attractive bodies and through pressure via an audience, mm -hmm. that's us, they have to choose which one of their mates they're going to spend the rest of their life in. And I'm using air quotes here. Yes. So this is really not new and this is something that continues to persist even today. What is this saying about us now? I mean, that we don't really learn or that we have not quite figured out this whole love thing yet, or at least the, we have not figured out romance. We figured out love a long time ago, but we have not figured out romance. Well, I think, I think you're right. I think we haven't figured out, you know, this is laid out like a courtroom. And so I think when we have love treat as a game, like the dating game yeah. kind of thing, uh, or Love Island or all these... Wait, is Love Island a one? Did I make that one up? Love Island. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, Love Island is real. Okay. It's British and it's terrible. What? How dare you? <laughs> when we have this, it's a game. I think it's similar to the idea that it's like something happens in court where someone else has to be the judge whether it's fortune whether it's an audience whether it's a parliament of birds someone else has to be the judge because maybe we don't trust our own judgment or we really, really need other people to affirm our judgment. There's nothing mm -hmm. that makes us more upset than when our friends don't approve of our lover, even though there's really not much else that we care if our friends approve of that right. we're going to end a, a friendship over it. We crave that and we crave broad social acceptance of, of mm -hmm. our lovers. And so I think this is part of that. And when you think about Valentine's Day, everyone already has either, especially if they're married, but they already have a date established for their own personal romantic love. It would be their anniversary. Anniversary. Yes. And yeah. when people are not married, they often have these kind of more informal our first date anniversary, th this kind of thing. So we already have these for ourselves. And so there is something I think about Valentine's Day itself that's very performative in terms of public performance. Part of it is that the outward expression of love, not just to the lover, but so others can see that we're participating in this socially in, in some way and that our love is socially approved of i guess and that we've chosen the best lover not settled right you're using the term performative yeah it is also the social acceptance behind it is key there like i might look like i'm secure in my choice but i also want other people to accept where i am in my relationship regardless of what that is there's often a competitive element to it where mm -hmm. i've never heard someone I, I suppose it must happen but i've never run across someone comparing, oh, my anniversary was so much more awesome than 
their anniversary was. But I do very often see people competing to make sure they can have the most, uh, I guess, romantic Valentine's Day. That it's the day when we all all compete for Mm -hmm. love. And this is very much the same kind of thing where she Mm -hmm. has to choose between them and the different birds are giving the different criteria by which you're going to choose. And the different birds, I think, are not just speaking for different kinds of people in this, but also different kinds of literature. Like what does this kind of literature, you know, romantic literature would argue for this. But let's face it, not all love is like that. So what about a fablio or, or some other kind of, mm-hmm. of literature? How would it describe successful romantic love? Right. So you wanted to talk about the cuckoo bird? Yes. So this is another fun fact, which is ironic that this comes about in the very same poem that gives us the modern idea of Valentine's Day. And that is the word cuckold. Uh, the word cuckold Uh-oh. is an adaptation of the word cuckoo and it is invented by Geoffrey Chaucer in the very same poem that he accidentally invents Valentine's Day he invents the idea of cuckold so if if you've read like older literature there's often the idea of I guess maybe we need to explain what a cuckold is yes okay so go ahead and give the traditional terminology of what a cuckold is the simple version is a a cuckold is a he's got to be a married man whose wife cheats on him And then he becomes a cuckold in that. Very often in medieval literature and still sometimes in early modern literature, they're depicted as having horns, having a cap with horns on them. And that's a sense of being a cuckold. And so before Chaucer, you're never going to find this word cuckold. If you find it, it's been translated back to that for us. But the word is invented based on the cuckoo bird because the cuckoo bird, I have no idea whether this is true or not. I've, I've heard this my whole life and I read somewhere that this is a myth, but I have no idea that the cuckoo birds don't build their own nests. They lay their eggs in other birds' nests and let other birds mm-hmm. raise their, their young. <laughs> I have no clue whether that's real biology or not. This is not the the pop biology uh, podcast, I'm afraid. So I, no. I have no idea. The idea then is that if you're a cuckold, you've been cuckooed. In es- essence, a cuckoo bird snuck into your nest and now one of these chicks that you're raising came from another bird's egg. I see. Okay. I'm mixing up the metaphor a little bit there, but I think it makes sense. <laughs> the The point is that Geoffrey Chaucer is both the originator of Valentine's Day as love, but also the originator of this term that we still use today, whose term has been twisted a lot, and we're, we're not going to go into it because oh, yes, we're, yes, a, yes. we're a family show. <laughs> we're This is a family podcast. We only talk about PG-related stuff on this podcast, but he's the progenitor of both of these ideas. Well, he doesn't invent the idea of the cuckold but he does invent the term yes he does invent the The term term, coming from the cry of the cuckoo bird i see okay well do we want to get into some recommendations yes the recommendation i have is actually uh, another medieval work from the 13th century it's called the romance of the rose and the reason i want to recommend this is now did you read the romance of the rose in we did okay yeah we sure did back in the older days and the romance the the romance of the rose is a 13th century text and it's got two writers in the early 13th century around 1230 ish a guy by the name of guillaume de lory wrote the first part of it and then about 50 years later i guess 1275 ish it was not finished another guy named jean de mun finished it but the last part is about four times the length as the first part the first part is is relatively short it invents or popularizes the idea of a dreamer going into a garden of love and so this is something that you see a lot in medieval literature a dreamer going into a garden of love chaucer uses it here and this comes from the Mance of the rose now i don't want to recommend the whole romance of the rose unless someone is like really devoted to it. And you may remember that everyone loves the first part by Guillaume de Lorie, this beautiful uh, Mm -hmm. allegorical idea about what love is. And then modern readers really tend to hate 
the last part by Jean de Mont because it is extremely misogynistic. It is long. It is yeah. It is encyclopedic, which means there's a lot of things of interest to a scholar in it, but it's not such a good story. And normally when I say like modern readers feel this way about it, and I think I remember you felt this way about it also, it's very different than medieval readers. But no, in point of fact, often medieval readers complained about the same thing. Everyone loved <laughs> loved the first part and loved to hate the second part. And I yeah. would say that Christina Pizan, The Book of the City of Ladies, is really a response to Romance of the Rose. But it's not really a response to the first part because she likes it. It's the second part that she detests so much and she, she hates, you know. And, and so medieval readers actually agreed with modern readers uh, about this. But it was a kind of uh, hate read or for medieval readers, and they love to read the second half. So what I would recommend, don't ruin your Valentine's Day. Read just the first part of Romance of the Rose. And later on, if you want to read Jean de Mun's part, feel free. I'm going to be teaching it this semester, so I will definitely be rereading it. But, you know, it's just not quite as, as lovely. I guess. I do remember you saying, if you need to take the taste out of your mouth after reading Jean de Moon's part, read Book of the City of the Ladies. Yes, yes. It does really take the edge off it. And you're like, oh, this is much better. <laughs> Christine Bizon. Yes. She's she's great. Yes. We like her. Uh, do you have a recommendation for us, Nina? Oh, I do indeed. Okay, since we're talking about birds and fowl, I wanted to recommend a show on HBO called Peacemaker. <laughs> I... I... <laughs> I just started watching that the other day, so I, I know. I, I'm so glad. I didn't know you were going to be recommending this. I'm so glad you're you're laughing because I, I really do like this show. It's really good. It's funny where it needs to be funny, and it's serious where it needs to be serious. So if you saw The Suicide Squad over the past couple of months, uh, directed by James Gunn, mm -hmm. there was a character played by John Cena called Peacemaker, who was basically John Cena, just a little bit more hyped up who <laughs> cared about peace, didn't care how many men, women, and children he had to kill to get it. Yes. And it's his spinoff show. And he has a best friend and companion and sidekick, an eagle, whose name is... Eagly. 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 <laughs> Which just, you know, it's just so good. Why, why not? And John Cena, just he's wonderful. Any movie where he is like a side character, he's wonderful. He steals every scene that he's in. But now he's the main character in this show. And he's just so good. It's it's wonderful. I, I really like this show. And I'm recommending it just for Eagly. But also for John Cena and the other characters too, of course. But yeah, please watch please watch Peacemaker on HBO. I don't know if it's HBO, if, if it's HBO Plus, or whatever the app is called. It's HBO called so many Max, damn maybe? different. HBO yeah, Max, sure, like why that. not? Yes. It's just HBO. It's not TV. It's HBO. <laughs> don't know why I started watching it, because it, it would not be my normal jam. I think mm -hmm. I just wanted something light while I was cooking. And there's an opening dance number the dance, over the credits yep. that set the tone for the show. And I thought... I think I will be enjoying the show. And indeed, oh, I yeah. am. it is not PG rated. Uh, oh, no, 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 it is not PG rated. So it is not for children uh, and maybe not for many adults also. <laughs> no, but no, we're fans of Peacemaker in this house. All right, Nina. So anything else for the lovers out there who are listening to this for Valentine's Day? Yeah, I just want to point out that I think Chaucer had a thing for bird sex because this is not the first time he wrote about birds in love or birds doing it so you remember the nun's priest tale yes i pointed this out to engineer mike i said yeah if you read that there's a bird sex scene in there 
And he said, no. And I said, yeah, you got to read it. And it's, you know, Chanticleer the rooster. He totally does it with his hen girlfriend. Yes. And he said, I don't believe you. I said, yeah, you got to go and read it. And lo and behold, there is, I remember reading this in your class. And I was like, I can't believe I just read that. I'm fully convinced this is, this was Chaucer's thing. You know, the funny thing too is if you read Parliament of Fowls, it is, I've only mentioned the last part, which is about the Parliament of Fowls itself. There are all these little elements, the Garden of Love, the Dream mm -hmm. Vision. There's a whole part where he talks about the Dream of Scipio, which we don't need to get into today, where I would say a good half of this is stuff that he deals with in other places, but he's just put it together here in a new way yeah. that sparked a whole new holiday. Yeah, and we still celebrate it today. We do, we do. All right, well, to you, Nina, and all the lovers out there, West Through Hall. West Through Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerdhaven studio. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Our music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinra. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. Or visit our Discord channel using the invite link in the description of this episode. Thank you for listening. We always keep it family friendly here. Well, many times we keep it family friendly. <laughs> Yeah, we're, it's always Manson family friendly, at least. Mm -hmm.